Uh, please turn in your Bibles to First Timothy chapter three. First Timothy three, as we have our scripture reading, verses one through seven, and then we'll uh, talk about this. So, 1 Timothy 3, verse 1, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, but not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. <clears throat> so we have here, this is the second of the faithful sayings. And um, I don't think I did this when we first encountered the first faithful saying, but I'd like to just read the five, or have you go with me to the five, to um, get a flavor of these things. There's five faithful sayings in these um pastoral epistles. The first one was chapter 1, verse 15. It's grace and saving sinners. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Then we have this second one in this uh, chapter, verse 1. Here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever desires the office of a, a bishop... An overseer desires a noble task. Uh, if you move ahead, First Timothy 4, 9 and 10. Here's the third one. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And for this we labor and strive that we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. Grace in a disciplined life. The... Um, Fourth one is in Titus, so skip Second Timothy and go to Titus. <clears throat> this would have been the order that they would have been received because Titus would have been written before Second Timothy. But in Titus 3, verse 8, here's grace in the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good these things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Some of the trustworthy saying comes before or after the, the phrase. And then back to second, come back to Second Timothy, Second Timothy 2, uh, 11 through 13. Here's grace and the faithfulness of God. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. So it's a wonderful 
capsulization of the grace of God in those five faithful sayings. So we come back here to 1 Timothy 3, and as the NIV puts it, here is a trustworthy saying, if anyone sets his heart on being a bishop or an overseer, he desires a noble task. And um, the, the faithful saying is fairly brief, I mean, in terms of that, that phrase, faithful the word. And there are some who question whether this really is a faithful saying, whether it belongs in that list of the other faithful sayings. And Gordon Clark, I think, is helpful as he, he comments about this. He says, this is the second of the faithful sayings. Some doubt its appropriateness on the ground that it has no soteriological importance. Nevertheless, it has great importance for ecclesiastical organization, and especially in the first two centuries when Christian leaders were highly visible targets for persecution. This consideration also removes the objection that the saying encourages unworthy ambition. I find those last couple sentences really striking to me uh, and perhaps helpful, particularly comparing it to our own day. In that day, if you aspired to the office of a an overseer, of a pastor of a church, of a shepherd of a church, you were, in a sense, uh, putting yourself under the threat of death. Uh, no one wanted to be a pastor because the risk was significant. So if a man really had that desire, and that was a God-given desire, that was that is a noble thing. Now, we might question in our own day, in the day of mega churches and uh, popular uh, positions of authority, maybe maybe we might question that. Uh, when Green Acres Baptist Church needed a new pastor, I didn't run out to put in my name for... The, there would have been a lot of reasons why that wouldn't have worked. But were there any that applied for the job that maybe just thought, well, this is a plum job. It's a huge church, uh, top-notch salary, and um, would have given you a lot of prominence both in the Baptist church and in the city. You know, perhaps we could question that some in our day, maybe they desire position for unworthy reasons. But Dr. Clark's comments, I think, are sobering that in that day, and to a man who's truly wanting to serve the Lord, it's a noble work. And it's a faithful saying that it's a noble work. Uh, Paul uses two different words for desire in this verse, uh, and it's amazing what people debate over and discuss. It's really kind of amazing. Does it really matter if he uses two different words for desire? And I, I, I side with Gordon Clark again on this. He says, he, Paul just didn't want to use the same word twice. So he uses two different words, but he's desiring the office of a bishop. Now, the use of that term is important for us to think about because if you hear the term bishop, you may be thinking in terms of an 
Anglican or Episcopal setting or a Roman Catholic setting where they have uh, priests, bishops, archbishops, the Pope, they have this hierarchy. Is that what he's talking about here, that they, they want a higher place in the hierarchy? Well, no, the answer is no. In that day or in, in, in this day, the name bishop and the name elder refer to the same office, uh, and that is pastor. The two different words, but they're communicating, they're referencing the same uh, role or the same position. And just to confirm this in your thinking, in case you wonder uh, if that's true, look at, turn to Titus. Titus chapter 1. He too gives a list of qualifications or characteristics of a pastor. And uh, pick it up at verse 5. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put them, put what remained into order and appoint elders. That's the Greek word presbyteros, elders in every town as I directed you. And then he talks about it in 6. Uh, some of the qualifications, but skip to verse 7. For an overseer, as God's steward must be, and he goes into some more qualities. So in verse 5 and in verse 7, he's talking about the same position, but he's using the two different terms. The first is the term elder, which would have reference to governing, maturity, wisdom, uh, that part of his role in leadership. Uh, whereas the, the word for overseer or bishop has to do with the idea of shepherding. Uh, the, um, the, 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 the man, the pastor is a shepherd of the flock as well as a, an elder or a leader of the flock. And so both of those terms, they don't have reference to different people or different levels of people. They have reference to the same person, the same role in the church, but for different functions of those in the church. And uh, why would this be a necessary faithful saying? Why would it be a faithful saying? And there's two things that I think help to reflect on why it's a faithful saying. One is you really need grace to pursue this calling with integrity. You can't serve in this role without grace. If you don't have grace, you'll never survive. And then the second reason why I think it's a valid faithful saying is because it demonstrates God's concern and care for his church. And in that sense, it's a wonderful faithful saying. God is concerned for the care of his sheep, of his bride, And so it's a faithful saying because it directs our uh, thoughts to God's care for his people. And God uses men uh, to carry out the care of his sheep. And so the calling and the qualifications here uh, are um, significant and sobering and humbling as we reflect on them. But to just give you one other, before we get into these different qualities, to get to, to get into sort of a reflection of the office, there's another passage I'd like you to, to take, go to. Turn to 1 Peter uh, 5. 
while Paul in 1 Timothy 3 is giving characteristics of those who would serve as pastors, <clears throat> in a sense, um, 1 Peter 5 is giving us more of a reflection on who is it that installs these men, the foundation of that office. He writes to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock. See here he moves between elder and shepherd, presbyter and bishop. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. I mean, that's that's the, the uh, bishop word, overseer. Shepherds is the word for shepherds. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. And so the foundation of the office of the earthly shepherd is in the chief shepherd, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the chief shepherd of the church. And he is the head of the church, and he's the one on whom everyone else stands beneath. And whoever serves in a responsibility as an elder or as a pastor serves under the responsibility of Christ. He is the chief shepherd, and we live and we receive our example and our authority from him. He stands behind every earthly shepherd, uh, and he's the one that directs our care and our conduct. And he's the one that speaks to us through the human shepherd God puts over a church. Turn to Romans 10, verse 14. <clears throat> it's in the middle of a passage about preaching. But just to pick up the thought in verse 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So there's three phrases in that particular verse. We can't call on him if we've not believed in him. Uh, and the third phrase is, how are they to hear without someone preaching? So there's the earthly preacher speaking to them. But that middle phrase, uh, here the ESV puts it, how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? Of course, that's a true statement. How are we going to believe in Christ if we haven't heard of him? But uh, the, uh, the you may have a footnote. The ESV footnote is, it's microscopic. I mean, it's, it's almost un, un, unreadable, but it gives you the point. Uh, the, we can understand that verse very appropriately, that phrase very appropriately and properly. And how are they to, to believe him whom they have never heard? The preaching of the word by the earthly shepherd is Christ, the chief shepherd, speaking to you. That's what makes the preaching of the word so significant for us. 
because it's not just, or at least it shouldn't be, some person standing in a pulpit giving his point of view. What it is, when it's done, the way it ought to be done with the right spirit, the way it ought to be done is it's Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd, speaking to you through uh, the earthly shepherd. And so the chief shepherd calls men to serve him in this role to care for his sheep. Uh, just to come back to First Peter for a moment to finish the some of the th- thoughts there. Um, the calling is to be an overseer, to shepherd the flock of God. It's a very serious and solemn obligation. Keep your finger in First Peter, but turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13 has several things to say about the importance of the office and the soberness of it. Uh, first of all, verse 7, Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And Jesus says the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then we skip down to verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Whenever I hear a preacher misusing the pulpit, uh, it um, I find it terrifying. And I wonder why they aren't terrified. Uh, because... They give, they are accountable for the souls that they are watching over. And God's going to hold them accountable to that. And so if you're a, a channel flipper and you flip past some of these TV preachers and they're going on about how much you need to give to them and they're not really giving you the gospel, um, that person should be afraid. They should be terrified. It's a horrible offense against Almighty God and his care of his sheep to misuse the pulpit. <clears throat> and any man who enters that needs to do so with a great deal of, of reverence and fear to God Almighty to exercise that responsibility uh, carefully and um, with, uh, with a concern and with, a, with a, a sense of the accountability to care for the sheep. Uh, the even in Peter, the motivation for the overseer is not that they must, not that they're forced to do it, not that they must, but as Paul says in First Timothy three, that they desire it, uh, they're willing to do it, not for shameful gain, but they're eagerly to do it. Uh, their character as a shepherd in First Peter is that they are to be shepherds of the flock uh, that are under their care, uh, serving as overseers, not because they must, but because they're willing. Uh, They need to do it not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples. You see, there's not any kind of sense of uh, preeminence or priority. shouldn't be. It's a noble office, and it's a worthwhile office, a very rewarding office, 
but they it's it's not where you can lord it over people and uh, you need to be a shepherd to them and the encouragement is there will be great blessing uh, given to them Christ the chief shepherd when he appears will give you the crown of glory all those hours in the hospital or at the funeral home or the um um, in prayer or preparing for messages, all of those things will be worth it. Now, in a sense, what I've given you is an ordination sermon in lesser form, but it's valuable information for you to know. I don't know. I would pray. I'd love for <clears throat> some of these young men in here. Wouldn't it be a, a great thing if one of them went into the service of the Lord. That would be a wonderful thing, how we rejoice. I mean, we rejoice in David Bonner and his uh, going into the ministry. We delight in that. We pray for him. We're excited about that. Uh, we would love for any of these young men to, for God to put his hand on them and perhaps them to desire this. Um but at any rate, it's all it's, it's things that are good for us to think about <clears throat> and reflect on as we think about, we come back, now come back to 1 Timothy 3 as we look through some of the qualities, characteristics. Here it would be not just for pastors, but elders. Because he's speaking, whoever desires the office of an, over, of a, of an elder <clears throat> desires a good thing. And um, so we'll look at these different qualities that they that Paul gives here. And um, I may be using a different translation of the list that you have in front of you. So uh, we'll take them one at a time. There are actually 15 qualities that you can split them all out. Some people group them in together. These qualities, while they are expected of those in leadership, uh, are good qualities for all of us to pursue. Uh, you would do well to make this list a list for your life to guide you. Whether you're going to be a minister or not doesn't matter in that sense. But to have these qualities, uh, men and women, all Christians can have these qualities be a part of their life would be a, a wonderful thing. So let me just take us through these one at a time. <clears throat> Simply reading them is very convicting. I, I really could just read them uh, and we'd pray and go home and you would weep for a week. I um, mean, you just realize how terrible you fail at these things. But we'll talk about, just ex explain a little bit some of the different qualities. So the first is to be above reproach or blameless. Now, it doesn't mean a person can be sinless because you can't be sinless. <clears throat> but what it means is to have a integrity in your character. Uh, and so, therefore, you're not easily blamed for a lot of things. Uh, there's no dominant sins or character traits that bring this disrepute to your to you or to your lord <clears throat> the second is he needs to be a husband of one wife 
And that's an interesting phrase because it really means, or it could very well be translated, a one-woman man. Now, obviously, this shows that an elder needs to be a man, but it also communicates something. I mean, it's it's good that he has only one wife, that he's married. Uh, He doesn't have to be married, but if he's married, that he has one wife, and he's committed to her. But the the other way of looking at it is very significant, that he needs to be a one-woman man. And it's been all too sad uh, in brought great disrepute on the church how those in pastoral or even just any kind of religious leadership are um, disreputable men in regard to that. Uh, they're flirts. Uh, it's not that you can't be nice to women or kind and speak pleasantly to them. That's not really it. It's But they, they flirt or they, they dally with attraction with other women, and it's it's totally, totally wrong. And for all of us, in our relationships, we need to be true and genuine and not uh, flippant. The third is he needs to be temperate, communicates the idea of being sober and vigilant, calm and cool in difficult situations, because the one thing about leadership is if there can be trouble, there will be. <clears throat> and uh, uh, any any of the men here in leadership know exactly what that is. If you are in a business, you know exactly what that is. And so you can't fly off the handle. <clears throat> you have to be as much as possible, and only with God's help, <clears throat> you need to be calm and vigilant in those <clears throat> challenging situations. Prudent, have a sound mind, common sense. Uh, in other words, you resist the in sudden impulses. Uh, that's um, not usually a good thing to do something on the spur of the moment. It can be, but you need to be careful, not flippantly uh, do something, not a rash impulse. Respectable. Here that seems similar to the one earlier, but here it communicates more like an orderly arrangement, excuse me, of things in your life. You, uh, you have an order about yourself. That's what this word respectable means. Uh, that there's an order and a discipline to your life, uh, that helps you carry out your work properly. Hospitable. Uh, you need to be a person with an open door and an open heart uh, to strangers, to those in need, to other people, that they become a part of your life and you're open to that and caring and considerate of other people. Uh, apt to teach. Uh, this uh, basic grasp of biblical doctrine and the ability to communicate it. If a man desired the office of an elder or the office of a pastor, and he may be a really great person in every respect, <clears throat> but if when he opens his mouth you can't understand anything that he's saying, then there needs to be some consideration. He may be a, a wonderful Christian and a wonderful servant in many ways, but if you're going to be speaking for God, you need to be able to put a couple thoughts together in an orderly form. Um, 
I mean, we're all going to be confusing at different times, but that needs to be a quality in this person. Not addicted to wine. <clears throat> He's tem- this is his temperance in the uh, arena of uh, alcohol or any addiction. There ought not to be an addictive quality in him. Um, the problem with alcohol is not, and there's differences of opinion on this to some degree, but it's not alcohol that's the problem. It's the abuse of alcohol. And you can say the abuse of any kind of uh, prescription drug or any other kind of substance. <clears throat> and a man who's going to serve in leadership has to be um, free of those kind of addictions. Uh, this list I had, the next one, not pugnacious. <clears throat> Other translations you have, not a striker. In other words, he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder and ready for a fight at the drop of a hat. Uh, because there are some people that are going to egg you on. I mean, you've already encountered this, I'm sure, in some places in, in um, work or school. They just want to egg you on and kind of poke you and prod you and get a response. And you can, are most successful when you can frustrate them to no end by not giving them a response. <clears throat> not that that's your goal. You may have fun with that, but, uh, but the idea is that you're not quickly inflamed, uh, with, um, or quick tempered. Gentle, that is you're considerate, peaceable, you're, um, not demanding your rights, but willing to, consider others. Uncontentious, again, not given to fighting. Uh, free from the love of money. Again, this is a, a grasping for position and authority and prominence. Uh, it needs to be free from us. It's not that you can't make money or be successful in business. In fact, that's your goal. If you have a business, you want to be successful, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you're not... Uh, pursuing money as the, the as as in, in in of itself the goal, and a person in authority <clears throat> needs to be free from the love of money. Manages his own household well. This is a very important aspect for those in leadership. If they don't lead at home, uh, they shouldn't lead in the church. Not a new convert. There must be some maturity and a good reputation with those outside. Uh, even non-Christians ought to speak well of him. And uh, I think you can be encouraged by uh, the men that serve you as elders <clears throat> because I hear people outside the church, uh, non-Christians and otherwise, uh, speaking well of them. So it's a faithful saying because we need grace to aspire to this calling, we need grace to serve in this way. And we definitely need God's grace to work those qualities uh, into our lives. It's all of God. And so in response, there's two responses I would suggest for you. The first is thankfulness and, and for your encouragement. God cares enough for his people and his bride, his church, to provide men, have the plan to provide for men who are willing to serve and to be guided along this path. 
And it's a great encouragement. You know, God cares enough for you to lay the groundwork so that you could be cared for well. That's his plan. That's his goal. And a second response for you is a, it's a calling to pray. The responsibility of leadership is a, not, a, a sobering and overwhelming responsibility. And there are many challenging and difficult situations that uh, we face. And uh, it's a noble work, but it's also a heavy work. And so you have a calling to pray for those in authority over you. Pray for them. I pray that God will protect them from sin. Pray that God will give them grace to do their work in a way that honors him. Uh, Pray that God would guard and protect them uh, from the temptations of the evil one so that they could continue their service for your good and the glory of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your provision for those who might lead and guide your church. And we are grateful, Lord, how well you lay all of this out in your word. We pray for our own young men here. Lord, if you have your hand on them or plan for them to serve you in your church, prepare them and equip them for that. But in whatever uh, realm, all of our young people, uh, young men, young women, as they prepare for their life, may you equip them with many of these qualities so that they might love and honor you and serve you. Uh, with all of their hearts and be equipped and ready uh, to follow you in whatever venue, whatever uh, path of life you take them on. May you, O Lord, be with us and bless our church, bless our leaders, and help uh, each one to follow you fully with all their hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.